so we could live forever in your kingdom. Your love for us has been so great. We'll trust in it every day of our life, Lord. We'll know that you'll supply. We'll know you'll take care of us. We know that you'll fight our enemies for us. We know that you'll continue to work in us and change us. You will know, Lord, that you'll continue, Lord, to bring us higher, to make us more like Christ in every way, because you love us, because you love us with a great love. Great and mighty is your love, Lord. We believe it with all our hearts. We thank you so much, Lord, because you have that great and mighty love for us. We can trust in you. We can depend on you. So no matter what happens, Lord, you'll give us victory. You'll fight our battles for us. Thank you, Lord. We're expecting that in every area of our lives, Lord. Every area of our lives that's not right. We, every area of our lives that are not wrong. We're expecting you, your great and mighty love, to change us. To make everything right, Lord. We know that's what you've been working on. And we know, Lord, you'll continue to work on it as we continue to give you thanks and praise for it. Hallelujah. So thank you for what you're doing right now, Lord. Thank you for what you've done for us as we worshiped you. Your glory has transformed us. Thank you so much, Lord, for continuing to work in us now, Lord, as we open the book, as we open the word of life. Thank you for speaking to us. And thank you, Lord, for preparing us for the great and glorious days that are ahead so we can bring you much honor and much glory. Thank you so much, Father. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, it's an honor to be here. I just want to say real quickly, we, my wife put together a little video. I'd like to show that to you. It has something to do with what uh, we've been doing. And so we're going to look at that real quick, and uh, then I'll explain some of it. Is that all right? Praise the Lord. I know we made an abrupt change there, but uh, we got a short amount of time, and I got a lot to, lot to put out. So let's take a look at that video. If you're ready for it, are you ready for it? Okay, let's do it. Thank you. All right. Wow. Praise the Lord. Um, first thing I want to say about all this is uh, thank you. <laughs> we, uh, we were bombarded with uh, guests 
um, and we weren't ready for it. We had to um, get rooms ready. We had to buy bunk beds, mattresses, sheets, pillows, uh, pots and pans, wash machines, dryers. Uh, <laughs> we were like extremely busy. We were, we were up early and we were to bed late and we were just having a, a people coming in and leaving, coming in and leaving. Um, it was amazing. It changed our lives. <laughs> Can you imagine? Doing the work of uh, the Good Samaritan nonstop. That's what we were doing. And of course, when you do the work of the Good Samaritan, it does you good. Because you become a Good Samaritan. You see? You, you, you're showing pure Christianity. Pure Christianity is you care about people, so you help them. Right? And we did it all for free. It's amazing. They'd come to our campus, with, uh, like Miss Becky said, they would just come with just loaded down. Typical scenario would be a mom uh, with uh, three or four children, five, six children. Uh, the kids would all have a backpack on. Mom would have a big backpack on on the back and the front. She'd be carrying two bags and her children falling around through the train station. Spent two or three days in lines, cold, trying to get out of a country, trying to get into a country. Don't know where they're going, really, just, just heading out because everything's being bombed. And then they finally get to our campus. And uh, they get a warm meal, you know. They get love, they get care, they get a warm bed, warm shower. We do whatever we need. If they need to go to the pharmacist, we take them to the pharmacist. If they need to go to uh, the, the uh, embassy to get a paper approved, we take them. They, <laughs> we were extremely busy. Extremely busy. But like I said, it did us good. It tenderized our hearts. <laughs> Amen. I've seen, my, I've seen our staff change so much over all this. And, uh, and another thing it did, and the more important thing I think it did, is it prepared us for what's coming. Because see, when revival comes, everybody's busy. <laughs> right? And so we began to realize through all this that we weren't really prepared if a revival happened because we weren't ready for what they brought, what they needed. And, you know, when people get saved and become brand new Christians, there needs to be older Christians taking care of them. You know, the pastor and his wife can't do all that. Of course not. You know, and he's going to need you to help them grow, help them mature. Right? Amen. It's a lot of work. And so... Um, and there's natural things you have to do, too. Like I said, we had to get all kinds of things ready. We realized this, that we need, we desperately need a wheelchair ramp. And so we're going to put a wheelchair ramp in, you know. If you really expect a revival to come, then you have to prepare for it. And we believe people will come in wheelchairs and leave without them. Amen. And that's going to be a simple thing in the future. It's going to be a common thing in the future. Right? We found out that we needed a water baptism. You know, we water baptize, boy, we water baptize people in the summer, you know, in a, outside. But when you get people saved in the wintertime, you know, they're not too interested in going down to the river. So we got to put a water baptism in because, you know, when you get somebody saved, the best time to water baptism is right away. That day if you can. Amen. So to be ready for it. And when, when, you, when you get a lot, when you got a revival and you got a lot of people getting saved, you got a lot of people getting baptized. Amen. But there's some important things, spiritual things that, that I've learned um, uh, about revival. 
that I believe that the Lord wants me to share with you tonight, okay? Because revival is coming. It's already happening, right? And so it's coming. It's coming where people want it. It's coming where people are seeking it. It's coming. But we have to be ready for it, you know? Revival begins in a church. It always includes salvations. People always get saved in revival. A true revival always has that evidence of people getting born again, right? Amen. And so if we want to look at what revival is, we have to look at the book of Acts because the book of Acts is the first recorded revival. And so it'll have everything in that, uh, it, that in that first revival, any true revival is going to have those elements in it. And of course, a lot of people got saved, right? And so that means we have to get busy. We, we're going to have to be, we're going to have to be ready for this or it's going to take us by surprise and we won't be ready like we should. And so there are several things that we must, we must do to be ready for what's coming. Do you know what Jesus said in the last days? One of the things he said, he stressed over and over again was to be ready. Right? There's going to be a lot of people in the last days that won't be ready. There's going to be the five virgins who weren't ready. They didn't have the, the, the anointing oil. They didn't take time to get that. They didn't take time to, to get the fire of God. They weren't interested in being the light of the world. No. They weren't ready. You see? Those that are ready will be used by God greatly. Those that are ready, uh, well, they're going to be glad they were. Right? And so that's my, that's my assignment here tonight. And, and listen to me. There's going to be a lot of things said here tonight that are going to challenge you. And what I can say about that is, 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 is hook on to it. It's is from your heart. Say, yes, Lord. I'll do that. I want that. Amen. Because the one thing that the devil want, does not want is revival. Because revival fixes everything. Whatever problems you have, revival is going to fix it. I guarantee it. From what I've studied in the Bible, when there's a real, a real revival, it changes everything. Amen. And so the devil don't want that, you see. So what is revival? Well, we have to realize this, that revival is where God comes in a strong way and sets his throne up right there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He comes right here. And His presence is so strong, and His influence is so strong, it changes you. You'll never be the same. He influences the sinner, and He influences the saint. It's a strong influence that comes upon people. I know that because even though our church doesn't have a strong revival right now, I do. I've experienced it, and I know what it's like. For years and years, I fought a war, an inward war, between the heart, my mind, and my body. Just like Paul described it in Romans chapter 7. You ever read that, where he struggled with himself back and forth? So, I guess I'm in good company. I had that same battle. And you guess what? I won. The war is over. I got the victory. 
I know how. And I know how to, get, I know how to help you get it. You see, for us to have revival, we must be prepared. And the first thing that we must understand is what God wants. In Ephesians 5, verse 27, it says Jesus wants a glorious church. What's a glorious church? He says it's a church without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish, holy. Amen. Jesus wants holy Christians. He wants you holy. God wants you holy. God has always wanted his people holy. <laughs> it's important to him. God hates sin. God is a, sin is a great offense to God. It's something that, <laughs> well, he had to be beaten for at the whipping post. It's something he had to be nailed to a cross for. It's something that he had to spend three days and three nights in the prison called hell for. It's a terrible thing. It pollutes the universe. And before this thing is all over, he's going to take all the sin that's all in the universe and he's going to contain it in a lake of fire so it can no longer pollute and corrupt his beautiful creation. Amen. See? Christians are supposed to hate sin. People are afraid to preach on sin. People want to preach things that make people happy. They want to sugarcoat everything. But that won't help you grow up, and that won't help you get serious, and that won't help you where it's coming. Because I tell you this right now, if you do not get revival, you will not do God's will for your life. You will not become what He wants you to become. You see, it's, it's, it's a duty of all humans to obey God, their Creator. It's their duty. It's their responsibility to obey God. But because there's evil in this world, because there's evil spirits in this world, because there's evil influence in, their, in this world, because there are principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, wicked spirits in heavenly places, people will not obey God unless they have a strong influence from God. They need it. That's why you need church. That's why you need to come here and worship the Lord. That's why you need to be around other Christians. So you get that good influence in your life from the time you're small. So you keep it going. So the devil don't get you. He's trying to get you and he'll try to get you. Make no mistake. He's persistent. We're not supposed to be ignorant of our adversary. Right? And so we have to hear about sin. We have to hear about holiness. This is what the Lord does to get revival. He starts working on the Christians. If he can't get the Christians to connect with them, he can't have revival in that church. You see? Just like even in a simple, in a, in a natural uh, example. For God to have revival, there has to be prayer meetings. And there has to be daily prayer meetings. And see if a church, if the Christians are not willing to make that sacrifice, no revival. And so the first thing that you have to understand is that God wants you holy, and He's going to start working on that. You have to be laborers and work together with Him. But the thing about holiness is, is, is it's, it's the true way to live. It's the pure way to live. It's the good way to live. Amen. It's the life of Christ. And Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He is the way to true life. 
and however he lived is the true life. If you're not living his way, it doesn't matter how you've conjured up in your mind what a Christian is or what God is. If it doesn't line up with the book, it doesn't line up with Jesus, then you just self-deceived yourself. Right? Amen. And so it's God's plan to turn each one of his children into Christians. People that act and live and think like Christ. Amen. They live holy. All right? So we have to learn how God does this. What's the scriptural way to become holy? And we have to cooperate with that. And I'm here to tell you, it's surprisingly, it's very easy. It's not hard to become holy. There's been a lot of teaching on it. I've read all about it. I've studied it. Like I said, I fought this for years. I wanted to live holy. And, and listen, I, I don't, I'm not ashamed to say this because I know you're in the same boat. You want to live for God. But you've had a hard time. You don't know why. You tried this. You tried that. It didn't work. I'm going to give you the answer tonight. You can leave here a changed person tonight. Literally. By the power of God. That's, this is where it starts, people. Amen. So to live holy, it starts with, it starts with repentance. And what does repentance mean? Does that mean you, you fall on the floor and you start crying? Repentance simply means a change of heart or a change of mind. All right? So what do you do? You change your mind by saying it's important to be holy. It's important, it's important to, to develop in holiness and purity. And so therefore I will. I'll find out how and I'm going to do it. Amen. Amen. Now there's two main ways that people teach about holiness and sanctification in the body of Christ. One is by mostly mainline denominational preachers and teachers. And the other theory is by word of faith charismatic type preachers and teachers. They, all, they, all, they, they don't both teach this, uh, they both teach on sanctification, but they're both wrong. And this is why the church is confused about all this. And this is why people aren't developing in holiness. The denominations or the word of faith charismatic groups. Because if you're not doing it God's way, it's not going to work. Pretty simple, right? And so what are these two ways of that I mentioned here. Well, the mainline denominations, they believe this. They believe that salvation is a free gift that's given by God through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's by grace. You can't earn it. Nothing you can do but just receive it by faith and be saved, be born again. Right? But it's a gift, but sanctification is by works. And so they preach this and they teach this, that, you know, you should do things like you know, pray, fast, read the Bible, you know, to become sanctified, to make commitments, to change and get rid of bad habits, and maybe make commitments to start new habits. And they preach and they give these outlines and they tell you all kinds of things you can do, and, and okay, go for it. And if you do that, <laughs> you will be like them. You will be a Pharisee or a scribe. And, and you can get all the glory for it. Because that's what they're doing. It doesn't work. That's not what the Bible teaches. 
And they'll say, well, no, now, now, listen, Brother Max, I had a discussion with one of these guys one time that was teaching us. He was, he's one of those apologetic guys, which, you know, I appreciate people that are very, uh, you know, into checking doctrine and, you know, making sure things are right, you know, and I, I'm into, you know, correcting doctrine. And I'm even also into mentioning names when somebody's preaching false doctrine. I think all that's scriptural. But when people are trying to find fault and trying to find, that's their ministry, that's their, they think their assignment, that's a wrong spirit. And they're going to be wrong too. And they are. Most of them are wrong about it. I've never heard one of them teach the right way about it. And when I tell you this, you're going to say, of course. It's going to be very simple. You're going to see it, and it's going to help you a lot. Amen. It's going to help you a lot. Because it helped me. It gave me the answer. Well, they'll say this. They'll say, now listen. Yes, you, you, you have to work out your own salvation with, free, with fear and trembling, but God will help you. God will help you. They say, they emphasize, you've got to get God's help. And I was talking to this guy. I said, no, you're wrong. He will not help you. False doctrine, what you're saying. It doesn't work. You'll just bind people. You'll just frustrate them. I know, I was there. It didn't work. I tried everything. It didn't work. Then we have the freer people. The charismatic. The, they believe this. They believe that, of course, salvation was a gift. It was free. And along with salvation, you were made righteous. Not just righteous, you were made the righteousness of God in Christ. No way can you be any more righteous than that. You were made holy, you were made complete. Everything's okay. You got your ticket to heaven, everything's fine. And they stop right there. Because they have that thinking, and that's a half-truth thinking, they're deceived. Now, the Bible teaches throughout the epistles that we're supposed to live holy, that we're supposed to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, that we're supposed to put off the works of the flesh, that we're supposed to renew the mind, that we're supposed to control the emotions, that we're supposed to develop in the fruit of the Spirit. Christians are supposed to do this. But because of the righteousness God in Christ, because they got their ticket to heaven, they don't. And what happens... They get weak, and they go to sleep. And that's where the church is. It's asleep. But God's going to wake us up. But you see, I'm, I'm telling you this because for, for you to take the first step in, in, in getting ready for revival, you have to realize that you, you have to make a change. You have to realize that you have a weakness. You have to realize that you are not living the way God wants you to live. You see, you can't, get a, you can't get a sinner saved unless they're willing to repent. You see, it's wrong to tell a non-Christian person that all they need to do is, 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 is say this prayer and they can be saved. It's wrong to tell a person that, you know, this is all you have to do. You know, God loves you and God wants to save you and God wants to give you a good life on this earth and God wants to give you a good place in, in heaven and God wants to, he wants to bless everything here and now. If you'll, just, if, you'll just, if you'll just give your heart to Jesus, if you'll just pray this prayer, this is not true. 
This is giving false hope. To, be, to make Jesus your Savior, you have to make Jesus your Lord. You see? You, you, have, to be, you have to be willing to live a Christian life. You, okay, maybe, maybe you, you, you don't think you can, and you can't without Him. We agree with that. You cannot. But you got to want to. You got to want to make a change. You got to want to start living a Christian life. And when you want that, then you'll have a real new birth experience. If you don't want that, then you're just a confessing Christian. And there's a lot of those. Never really had a new birth experience. Because they didn't give their life completely to the Lord. You see? And so as a Christian, you must first realize that you need a change in your life if you're going to go on with God. You must realize where you are at. And I'm here to tell you, you're asleep. The church, the body of Christ is asleep. I'm not saying that some of you are not woke up a little bit and are waking up. This is true. You are. But generally speaking, the church is, 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 is low. But, but the Lord's raising it up. Now, you know, we sang this song, and I want to look at this verse. There in Ephesians uh, chapter 5, you know, verse 27, he said that Jesus wants a glorious church, Right? But look what he says here in verse 14. He says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. The church in Ephesus at this time was asleep. Christians are like that. God's people are like that. Up and down. Up and down. You know? And usually when, you know, when, when, when things are difficult, that's when they start seeking God. And, and, and that's how Christians have been throughout, throughout history. And, and so what God does, He brings revival and He wakes them up. Amen. And, and it, that usually gets stirred up by, by preachers and teachers, right? And that's what He's doing now. That's what He's doing right here, right now to you. He's waking you up. Amen. You've got to recognize you're asleep, first of all. What does it mean when He says, you know, uh, Awake thou that sleepest. And arise from the dead. He's talking to Christians. He's talking about the church in Ephesus, right? These are Christians, supposedly spirit filled Christians, and they were asleep. What does he mean by that? Well, when, when, it, when it's talking about a Christian, it's talking about them being dead, that means they're, they're separated because of sin, right? And just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you can sin. See, Jesus didn't die for your sins so you could live a life of sin. That's ridiculous. Yet most Christians aren't doing anything about sin. They don't think they can. They tried, given up. But I'm here to tell you, <laughs> it's easy. It's easy to get rid of sin. <laughs> Isn't that good news? I know I'm teasing you a little bit. <laughs> but I want to get the hook in your mouth so I can really in. Yeah, it's easy. It's not hard. But you first must recognize that the reason you're asleep, the reason you're dead is because of sin. Okay? So what do we do about sin? How do we get rid of it? It's simple. Very simple. We get rid of sin by faith. I know that doesn't excite you too much. 
It should because you're faith people. But the problem is, because of most preachers, these hyper-prosperity preachers especially, they've got Christians, all their mind, their thoughts, their affections, their, everything's about the natural, the world, the earthly things. They're not so much hooked up with the spiritual things. They're not using their faith to become holy. Because they're not being taught that. They're not using their faith to overcome sin. Don't need to. I'm righteous. I'll make it to heaven. Are you sure? Are you sure? I'm here to challenge you. That's my job. Are you sure? And what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 7, He said, away from me, I never knew you. They prophesied in His name. They cast out devils. They did signs and wonders. These are Christians. No doubt about it. Some people say, yeah, but I believe once saved, always saved. doesn't matter what you believe. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible's full of warnings. In the epistles, two Christians about losing what they got. Amen. The, the whole first generation, according to 1 Corinthians, the whole first Israel generation is an example to us, especially us in the last times, to get it right. Because that first generation, God loved them, He wanted to save them, but they died in the wilderness. They didn't make it in. And throughout the epistles, God warns us. At one point, He destroyed the whole world but eight. The angels were righteous, holy creatures at one time. A third of them fell. These are all things written in the epistles to us. When, we, when you compare and judge yourself by horizontally, the way the body of Christ is, you're making a big mistake. Because the body of Christ is not like this right now. I've read throughout history when churches, whole churches were people that were holy, people that were on fire for God, people that were bringing people to church and getting people saved, and they were living the real Christian life. This has happened throughout history, but not now. You see, you have to start using your faith for other things besides just the natural things of this earth that you want. You should use your faith for spiritual things. Are you asking, seeking, and knocking, saying, Lord, prune me? Prune me! And we know He'll do that. All that stuff in us that's, 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 that's hindering us from producing fruit, anything that's, that's taking our time away from the Lord, it needs to be pruned. Are you asking for that? Lord, sanctify me. Purify me. Lord, give me that fire. Let it burn up the dross. Let it burn up everything that's impure out of me. I want it, Lord. I'm believing for it. Be at work in me, both the will and to do your good pleasure, Lord. That's what I want. I want to please you. That's what we should be using our faith for. You think you'll answer it? That's what he's been waiting for. Not seek first the things of this world, and then you'll add the spiritual things. Got it backwards. 
You know, these things are more important to the Lord. You being holy, you being someone that, that, that He can walk close to, because that's the whole purpose of this holiness stuff. You understand? The holier you become, the closer you can walk with Him. And that's what He wants. He doesn't want you just holy because, you know, He doesn't like stinky, obedient, disobedient children, which He doesn't. But there's something better. There's something more important. It's because He loves you and He wants to be close with you. That's what it's about. So if we're, if we're going to get holy, then, then we're going to have to have faith. And we're going to have to start using our faith, right? We're using our faith, like it says in Ephesians 1, verse 19, that we would know the power of God. How would we know the power of God? To those, to those who by faith receive it. You see, God has the power to change you. God has the power to make you holy. It's not hard for Him. He can sanctify you, spirit, soul, and body. And I know. He did it for me. I worked on it. I worked on it. I believed it. I believed it for months. Almost six months. And then one day, (laughs) it was gone. (laughs) The battle was over. I'm not saying that I, I you know, he's still not sanctifying me in many areas of my life. But there was a major battle that was won. And I know it's real, and I know you can have it. But you understand, you know, for, for, for your faith to work, there's certain things you've got to do. You understand that this is, the, this, is, this is the enemy's target. His fiery darts are shooted at, they're aimed at your faith. You see, because faith is, is, is the avenue by which we receive things from heaven. It's the currency of heaven. You can't get anything from God without faith. He requires faith. That makes us all equal. Right? I'm glad you agree. <laughs> we got some great kids over here, I tell you. I just like to preach to them for a while. <laughs> and so faith. And so the foundational sin, what was it? It was doubt. God created Adam, created everything. He said, now look over here, Adam. See this tree? Don't eat it. You eat it, you will surely die. And he ate out of it. How did that happen? Well, the devil's tricky. He's deceiving. He deceived a third of the angels. I think he's pretty much got most of the church deceived right now, too. Sad to say, but true. But Lord's waking us up. So somehow he deceived them, didn't he? And see, that's what he's doing with us. He's got all kinds of things. When you take this seriously and you say, okay, I'm going to get holy. I'm going to prepare. I'm going to do what God says. I'm going to get in faith. I'm going to start. The devil will show up. (laughs) In many shapes, colors, and sizes, and all kinds of things, he'll come against you. You need to know this because sometimes when when we tell people, you know, we, we preachers, we tell people how they can obtain the blessings of God. We forget to tell them that, hey, when you go after this, when you really go after this, the devil's going to try to stop it. And you've got to persist into it. You've got to persevere. You've got to keep going. You've got to be consistent. It's got to be daily. That's what makes it happen. Because he's going to try to stop you, and you've got to determine, it doesn't matter what's happening. In some way, I know the devil's doing this, and I'm not going to let it stop me. Right? That's the way it works. 
So, of course, you know, the devil's going to be trying to stop you from getting in faith. And so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, right? And that's, again, that's kind of where the church and the Word of Faith movement has kind of stopped on that verse. And so then they, they, they come up with all kinds of, of, you know, teaching on confession. You know, speaking the Word over and over and over. And I'm not against that. I believe in confession. I believe confession is much more than that. I think a lot of the teaching we have has been very milky. And has produced baby Christians. You know what confession really means? It means, <laughs> number one, that you testify to other people about what Jesus did for you. Yeah, you confess Him before others, then He'll confess you before the Father and the angels. It, means, it, means, it also means, it means bringing a message of some kind to others. It also means praying for others. You know, Christians should be praying for people all the time. You know, if you just started taking time when you meet people in the public, even if you only have a few seconds, you know, you could just say, hey, could I pray for you for just real quickly? Can I put my hand on your shoulder? Can I pray for you? And let the Holy Spirit speak. You'll see. You'll see tears, I'm telling you. God will speak through you. Oh, how wonderful it is. No, faith comes by hearing and hearing what it means more than that. Because every scripture has foundational meaning. And then it has multiple, endless other meanings. Because it's alive. It'll have meaning from now till who knows when. Forever. Because it's alive. It's spiritual. What it means more than just hearing the word, which is what we need to do, it's, it, faith comes by listening and listening. It means you have a really strong connection with God. You're communing with Him to the point that it's not just you talking all the time. You know, if you're really communicating with God, then, then He's going to talk to you. How's He going to talk to you? Well, He tells us right here. He says, awake, arise, and Christ will give you light. The main way that God communicates with His children is through revelation. It's upon this rock that Jesus builds His church. He begins to reveal things. As you diligently seek Him, He will begin to reveal things to you that you need to know. And especially when it comes to holiness and you're, and you're starting to work on this. He'll start revealing all kinds of things to you and, and your, your thinking, your mentality, your attitude, your desires, your motives, your appetite. They'll all start changing. You'll start hating sin and start loving holiness and righteousness purely and sincerely. Not something you just try to, try to mechanically do. It, it, see, it's an inward change that we need. See, it's, it's God that has to change you. It's Christ that has to change you. It's the Holy Spirit that has to change you. You don't change you. You believe that He changes you. He's your sanctifier. Jesus. He supplies all your needs. Isn't that right? But we also understand this. Not only is it important that we understand that faith comes by hearing and hearing or listening to God, having that close relationship with Him. But also the Bible tells us very clearly in Galatians, He says that faith worketh by love. You see, if you're going to become holy, if you're going to get, get God to work in you, then you're going to have to be a person of faith. And to be a person of faith, 
you're going to have to commune with God. You're going to have to start hearing from Him. You're going to start have to start getting light and revelation from Him. Because that's what He does when you make a decision that you're going to wait upon Him, that you're going to seek Him. Okay? And so, um, it's important that we live the life of love. Because faith works by love. You see? Your love level determines your faith level. If your love level is weak, your faith level is weak. If your love level is high, your faith level is high. Faith worketh by love. You see? So what does that mean? Well, love's a big subject. (laughs) We could spend all night teaching on love. But we need to know the basics, the elements. And the first thing that we must understand about love is that it's the first and greatest commandment. To love Him. How? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is what you were created to do. Just like the birds were created to fly and the fish were created to swim, you were created to love and know God. He can become your best friend. If you develop a pure and true, sincere love from God, there's nothing He won't do for you. He will exalt you. These are the people He's exalted throughout history. You look in the book. The ones that knew God, the ones that loved God, the ones that went for God, He exalted them. He hasn't changed. His eyes are still going throughout the whole earth. Seeing who's calling upon Him, whose eyes are upon Him, who wants Him, who loves Him. He's looking, who's loving me? Who wants me? Has he changed? Is it the greatest commandment? The question is, are you doing it? If not, you're guilty of a great sin. And you need to repent. Plain and simple. And that's what happens in revival. People start repenting. They start seeing where, (laughs) yeah, I'm not lining up with it. Jesus said in the last days, the love of many will wax cold. He said he's going to spit a lot of Christians out of his mouth. This is real, people. This is where it's at. You see, you never really trust somebody you don't know and love very well. Right? And, and don't think you do. Don't think you love God a lot because you're the typical Christian of today. Because you don't. If you're not making sacrifices, Jesus said this to Peter. He said, Peter, if you love me, you're going to feed my lambs. You're going to feed my sheep. What Jesus said about love is what love is. And all Christians are supposed to be witnesses. All of us got the great commission to preach the gospel. All of us got the commission that we're supposed to teach others. All Christians are supposed to be passing on what they have to others. And throughout church history, we, this has happened. Where Christians were passing on to new Christians, and they were passing on to... This is how it's supposed to be. We're not doing it. Come on. We need to wake up. So the first step is repentance. And the first thing we need to repent for is, Lord, I have not loved you like I should. I admit it. I haven't loved you with all my heart and soul and mind and strength. 
I love this, I love that. I've had time for this, I've had time for that, but I didn't have time for you. You've got to admit it. You've got to, you've got to make a decision you're going to change in that. And that's what, that's what the Lord wants tonight. A change. What's the change? <laughs> Complete life change. What's that mean? That means tonight you're going to make a decision that your life is going to be about loving Jesus. That's what it's supposed to be about. And you do that, the rest is easy. You see, you ask a typical Jewish person, what is holiness? And you know what he's going to say? Obey that book. Obey the law. Not the New Testament. <laughs> Obey the law. Right? Because that is. That, 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 is, that is God's command. But did you know that God, for the new covenant, he put it under one commandment? The royal law. It's called the law of Christ. It's called the law of love. One commandment. That's all you have to obey. And when you get that one right, all the rest become easy. But this is, why, this is where Christians are missing it. They're not loving the Lord. They're not seeking Him. They're not going after Him. All that He did for them. And they're too busy with this, that, and the other. Time to change. Tell you what, this will get you ready. What's it mean? That means you're going to have to make a change. You're going to have to every day take time and love the Lord. So it grows and increases. Because Ephesians tells us, Paul told us, what to do about all the problem we're having, the problem that the church has. And that is, he told them that they need to be rooted and grounded in love. That they need to grow in love. Your love for the Lord needs to grow. Can you say amen? amen. <laughs> will He help you do that? Oh, yeah, He will. Yeah, He will. He'll help you. But you've got to want it. You have to seek after it. You've got to take the time. And this is not something that you just do a few minutes every day. It's something you get serious with. All revivals, it, it, it starts with people doing a lot of praying. And so you're going to have to get, a, you're going to have to get motivated to, to seek the Lord, to love Him, to know Him, to get close to Him in prayer, to have His presence come on a regular basis, on a daily basis, because you need that anyway. You need His help in everything you're doing every day. Yeah. You're supposed to start your day looking to Him for help for everything. He wants you dependent on Him. He doesn't want you dependent on everything else and everyone else but Him. Now, he'll take care of you, I'm telling you. He's a good shepherd. He's a good king. Oh, yeah, he'll supply abundantly if you trust in him. If you go after him and love him, look at all the benefits the Bible says about it. It says in Romans 8, 28, he said, All things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. In Psalms 91, he says, With long life, he said, I will exalt those who love me. That's what he wants. He wants you, your free will, to love him. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. That's, that's what he's looking throughout all creation for. 
You know, as I've been studying this, one of the things I, you know, I was talking to the Lord about for several days, here in Ephesians 5 where he says he's, he wants to present to himself a glorious church, a holy church, you know, it was, it's, it's surrounded by scriptures on marriage. And it's kind of like out of, out of place a little bit. And I'm thinking, Lord, what is this? Come on, you've got to tell me. What's, this, what's going on here? I need to know, Lord. I need to know what this means. And he made it so easy, so easy to understand. You know, the church is like a bride, and that's what he's talking about. And he's like the groom. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask some of these guys over here, some of these younger guys. When you get ready to get married and you're, you've got yourself a bride, do, do you want this beautiful bride that's all dressed up, nice and beautiful, on your wedding day, do you want her looking at every other man? You might just decide to skip the wedding that day. Jesus wants your loyal love. He wants your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole soul. <laughs> That's what he wants. That's what he deserves. Doesn't he? He deserves our love. If anybody deserves our love, he does. Amen. Yeah. This is how we get strong. This is how we get holy. You know what it says there in Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit. It lists the fruit of the Spirit, and he says, against such as this, there is no law. He, he said that th those that those that fulfill the royal law, they, they fulfilled all the law. You see? And so, of course, that includes loving your neighbor. That's the second commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Of course, it includes that, but it starts with loving God. Okay? You see? When you start loving God, one of the things you're going to realize is you've been very selfish. Even the good things you've done for others, you've done it really for yourself. Because you've done it out of your love and not God's love. He will shed His love abroad in your heart. He will keep you in the love of God. He will do it. He'll keep you full of it, and He'll keep you full of the true love. You see? That's why it says there in Matthew 22 and Mark chapter 12 about, you know, loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. What it means is this. You, need to, you, you will start to, when you start loving God the way you should, you'll start loving your neighbor like you used to love yourself. You see, in our kingdom that we're from, we've been born from, there's no selfishness. God is love. Everything God does, He does purely out of love. He's always motivated by love. The reason He does anything for you is because He loves you. He's merciful to you. Everything He does. And He does nothing for Himself. Right? And that's how God wants His children to be. Amen. And it starts by loving Him. Because you start loving Him and getting to know Him, then, you, then He begins to reveal to you the way Jesus is, the way He is, and, 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 and it begins to have an effect and influence upon you, and it changes you. You see? It's pretty simple. Like the disciples, when they became apostles in the book of Acts, they noticed that they'd been with Jesus. Amen. This is, this is what the Lord's looking for. Amen. Hallelujah. This is what he's looking for. Praise the Lord. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Well, Father, thank you so much. Hallelujah. Listen, it's time to consecrate your life. It's time for you to talk to the Lord about this. Amen. It's time for you to make a decision here today. What are you going to live your life for? Are you going to live it for him like you're supposed to?
I'm telling you what, this is the decision that we all need to make. Because in this glorious days that are coming, the Bible says there's always going to be dangerous days. And you could face something dangerous. Don't think it can't happen. These people in Ukraine, all of a sudden their life was turned upside down in a moment of time. Suddenly. These people in, 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 in Turkey, the, the, this earthquake, it, it, everything was lost in seconds. And, and, and if you don't have a strong love for God and bad things happen, I'm telling you what you will have then. You will have a great spirit of fear. And you will not make it. Now you need to develop your love and your relationship with the Lord now. You need to get strong in the Lord and the power's might now. Now is the time to prepare. Now is the time to get things right. This is the message the Lord is bringing to the body of Christ. And it starts with you loving Him. Return to your first love. It wasn't just the Apostle Paul who said this. John said it also. You look at it in Revelation chapter 2. When Jesus appeared to the Apostle John. He said to him, now the Ephesian church, I got something against them, John. They left their first love. And many Christians have done the same thing. We must admit it. And we must repent. We must get it right. We must make a decision here today, tonight. And this means that you're going to have to do two things. You're going to have to wake up. You're going to have to rise up. You're going to have to set the alarm. I, I preach this message, similar message. I, I preach it different everywhere I go. But I had a guy come up to me and ask me. I had a line of people come up in, and, and they always got questions because I say so many things they're not used to hearing. And so they want to ask me questions. So, you know, I got an answer. If I don't got an answer, then, then I'm wrong. <laughs> but but I, I always usually have the answer. But he said to me, he says, I agreed with everything you said but one thing. And I said, hmm, I think I'll stop right there. 99% is good enough for me. He said, I don't think I'll give you the answer. <laughs> he said, no, i got to have the answer. I said, okay, but I like 99%. That's pretty good. You get 99% as a preacher. I'm, most preachers would be happy with that, right? He said, you said that, that I have to get up early in the morning and, and seek God in prayer in the Word. That's what you said. He says, I'm a night person. I don't do that. He said, what do you think about that? And I said, I think that's great. You're a night person, but you need to develop into a morning person. There's too many scriptures on it, getting up early. One Number one that you'll find is, is in, in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17. He says, I love them who love me, and those who get up early, I will exalt them. I think he'll do it. Amen. So I asked this guy this question. I said, so what do you do when you get up in the morning? I said, you put your shoes on and go to work? He says, no, no, no. He says, I start out, I take a shower. He says, I, like, I got to start with a shower. He says, then I, then I go in, and he, and he says, I, I, I have a breakfast with my wife and my children, and, and, and then I go. And I said, so you do get up early. You just get up early for, number one, so you can have nutrition in your body. You get up early so, so you, you get cleansed. Uh, you get up early so you can have some time with, with those that you love. Now you need to get up early so you can spend time with Jesus who you love most. So you can get that fresh manna every morning. You need it. Amen. So you can be washed with the water of the word so you can start your day clean and pure. No. He said you've got to love him first. That's what you were created for. And if you get that right, 
He'll bless every area of your life. Your, your love for your, your spouse, your love for your children, your, your, your love for your neighbors, your enemies. It'll all get right. He's got number one right. Because he'll help you keep everything right if you obey the royal law and you love according to the first and greatest commandment. Amen. I'm sorry I went a little bit long, but before we leave here, I really believe it's important that, um, that everybody gets an opportunity to consecrate their life. And so if that's okay, I'd like to just pray that for everyone here. Okay? You pray, you pray yourself. You, but, but I'll just help you with it, okay? But, but, but this is something you should do every day. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, to love you, to know you, to please you. Lord, thank you so much for calling us to live this life. We see that it's right. We know that it's pure. How can it be wrong? It's the truth, Lord. You spoke the truth to us, Lord. Your truth has pierced us. Your truth has been a, like a fire that's burned in our heart, burned in our bones this night, Lord. And we accept it. We want it, Lord. We need it, Father. So tonight, Lord, I pray with everyone here that's got an open heart and an open mind towards you and that wants revival, wants to go on, that every one of them, Lord, would say with all their heart, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I haven't loved you. I'm sorry I let the enemy deceive me. I'm sorry, Lord, I let him take me to, to doing this thing and that thing where I haven't had I haven't taken time with you like I should Lord I change tonight Lord I make a change tonight Lord I, I make a change that I will live my life to love you to know you this will be what I live for this will be my priority this will be the important thing in my life every day Lord thank you so much Lord see the sincerity of our hearts See, Lord, that we're true in what we're saying. See it, Lord, and help each one of us. Strengthen everyone here, Lord. Right now, Father, every person here who's reaching out to you with their heart, they're saying, yes, Lord, I want that. I want it, Lord. I'll do it, Lord. I'll rise up, Lord. I'll, I'll, I'll listen to what you said. You told your disciples, could you not pray one hour? I'm going to seek you every day. I'm going to spend an hour at least in your presence, and I'm going to get filled. I'm going to get changed. I'm going to use my faith. I'm going to... I'm going to seek you, Lord, to love you and know you. Thank you for helping me do that, Lord. Thank you for strengthening me to do that, Lord. I'm serious about it, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord, for helping every person here. And Father, I ask this. I ask in the name of Jesus, Father, for every person who's making this serious commitment here tonight to love you like they should, to seek you like they should. Lord, I'm asking you right now, in Jesus' name, to manifest your power. Manifest your power, Lord, and change them. Change them, Lord, with your glory. Lord, the things, some of the things that have, that have been hindering them, some of the weaknesses that have been in their life, some of those sins, Lord, that have been in their life, Lord, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus for every person here who says, Lord, this is for me, I'm going to do it. I'm asking you in the name of Jesus to set them free in Jesus' name. Some area of their life, Lord, that has been a bondage, some area of their life, Lord, that's been a weakness, some area of their life, Lord, that's been a sin that they've been dealing with, Lord, I ask in Jesus' name that it be removed. You said you come to take away our sins. Lord, I believe it. I believe you set them free. Give them a taste of it, Lord, so they want more. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Thank you.
Praise God. Well, you know, thank you, <laughs> Max. Thank you so much. As he was saying that, you know, some of the churches asleep, uh, a lot of the churches asleep, some are dead. Asleep and dead look a lot alike. But it's preaching like this that'll let you know the difference, right? Because <laughs> if this message comes and it shakes us and it stirs us and it wakes us up, then there's hope. Because we wake up to what God has for us, right? But if that didn't stir you, then you need to check your pulse. <laughs> you need to check your pulse, and you need to have somebody come and breathe life into you. Thank you for that message, and that's a good message for the church right now. And I really believe that consecration prayer at the end was very powerful. And I believe if you were reaching out with your heart and with your hands to the Lord, that there is some deliverance that took place with that. As we sought him and uh, really surrendered ourselves to him, you may not even recognize it right now, but you get into his presence and you're going to notice that things are different. Tonight when you go home, things will be different. Tomorrow, things will be different. Some of the things that you crave, you'll no longer crave because you'll look to him. And that's how, when Max was talking, that's how deliverance can happen in a moment. It's because we reach to him with our heart. And also when you were speaking, I was thinking about Gypsy Smith. You know, he was an old-time revivalist in Europe and in America. And he said this. He said, somebody asked him, how do you get revival? How do we get revival in the church uh, as you have seen revival? And he said, you go home, you lock yourself in your room, you take a piece of chalk, you draw a circle around yourself. And he said, you pray fervently and brokenly for God to send revival in that chalk circle. See, it starts with what Max said. It starts with our consecration. It starts with us surrendering our heart and life to him. So thank you so much for that word. Thank you for stirring us. Thank you for challenging us. Thank you for encouraging us with the word of God tonight. So if you were blessed, boy, this is our opportunity to sow into Max and Becky and their ministry and what they're doing. You know, every time we sow into a minister that comes here to New Creation Church, we are able to send them on to the next place. And they're so faithful. They have ministered for so many years to so many people throughout the nations. But in Romania, how many years have you been there? 90? 90 years? Oh, 1990. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> long time, long time. You know, our church, back when the ministry was just uh, building their buildings, went and helped build uh, with the missions team and uh, just been so blessed to be connected with them. So it's a good work for us to sow into, and this is our opportunity. So if you'd like to sow tonight, you can give in all of the ways that we normally do with the text, um, online giving, and then also um, uh, you can raise your hand for an offering envelope, and we can uh, get you one of those as well. But let's just pray over this offering as we receive it for Max and Becky, and uh, it's just wonderful to be able to sow into their ministry, this faithful couple who are doing so much. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the word that you've given us tonight. You've challenged us. You've helped us. 
you've brought us farther. And Father, we thank you for the faithfulness of Max to bring it. Father, we pray that their ministry and their lives would be blessed. Lord, we just are so thankful where they're going, where we're going. Father, we want to have that deeper relationship. We want to know you more. And Father, we just count it a privilege to be able to sow into this couple who are preaching the word like this. And we thank you for it, Lord. We pray blessings on them, blessings on their ministry, and all that they do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, as Max said, you know, seeking the Lord in prayer in the morning is a good thing. And we have corporate prayer here at 8 o'clock, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And so we would love for you to come and join us here for corporate prayer here in the sanctuary. It's a great time. We also have corporate prayer here um, at 8 o'clock on Monday night. So you can come out for that prayer time as well. And then there are many that are uh, uh, others that you can participate in. They're all listed on the app. Um, you can find those. But praise God. Weren't you blessed tonight? What a great message. I encourage you to take it home. Don't let it just stay here. Uh, tuck it into your heart. Meditate on those things that God showed you tonight. Uh, he's going to continue to work with this one. And if you have a testimony, you can text the word testimony to our number, the one that was up for giving. Um, it's, what is it, 970-624-0999. If you text that number, uh, the word testimony It'll just open up a form for you where you can share a testimony. So with tonight, so much came forth. If you have a testimony about what happened tonight, share it with us. We would love to hear that. All right. Well, let's say this as we go. You can stand up. Let's say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus. Far, exceeds far exceeds any damage done to me, damage done to me. by Adam's fall. Amen.